It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, Dahlia, before yesterday... When was the last time you heard Robert Mueller's voice? <laughs> I just remember, like, searching for audio of it, like, in the last few years. Because I thought, like, what if he has, like, like a squeaky little Jared <laughs> little Kushner, voice. Kushner voice? And, you know, like, what if... That... We didn't learn a lot of new things at Robert Mueller's press conference yesterday morning. But we did learn what his voice sounds like. Uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for being here. Yeah, I expected James Earl Jones, basically. Yeah, yeah. And instead I got something else. It felt like Robert Mueller was presenting a book report. He definitely was. I'll make a few remarks about the results of our work. But beyond these few remarks, it is important that the office's written work speak for itself. Let me begin where the appointment... Dahlia Lithwick, Slate's legal correspondent... She didn't have high expectations here. What I initially thought it would be is I'm rolling up, right? We've been waiting for him to, you know, put the chairs on the desks and turn out the lights. So I thought that's what we were getting. And in fact, no, we got a book report. Like these these are the, in case you fail to read the 448 pages, these are the things that I think are the takeaways. Bob Mueller's takeaways sounded like this. Russian election tampering was real, but there wasn't enough evidence of a broader conspiracy within the Trump administration to bring charges. And when it came to the president himself, Mueller said Justice Department rules prevented him from alleging obstruction of justice. This is all Mueller Report 101. No questions, and then he ghosts. I'm sure he's in Boca by now. But Dahlia says, pay attention to the subtext. He more or less said... All of you who think this is over because I did not bring a criminal indictment against a sitting president, look again. There is an entity in our, you know, structure, constitutional structure that is tasked with doing that. And it's not on me. It's on Congress. It's funny you say that because you wrote this story and you said, basically, Robert Mueller is no longer playing the role of adult in the room. That role is now going to be played by the House of Representatives. But I feel like my question at the end of this press conference was, will it be played by the House of Representatives? Like, I don't know. I think I described it as handing off the baton. Your question is, are they going to pick it up? Today on the show, who has got the baton now? Dahlia Lithwick is here to parse what Robert Mueller had to say and what he refused to say out loud. I'm Mary Harris. You're listening to What Next. Stick with us. This episode is brought to you by Discover. When it comes to your finances, Discover wants you to know they are the credit card that is always there for you. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, that means no more waiting for, quote, normal business hours just to get a hold of someone. We are talking real service from real people whenever you need it. Get the customer service you deserve with Discover. 
Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. So let's go through the press conference a little bit. The thing that was challenging to me about this presser as I was watching it was that Mueller was speaking in this legal code. The opinion says that the Constitution requires a process other than the criminal justice system to formally accuse a sitting president of wrongdoing. He never used the word impeachment. Why didn't he just use the word? I feel like even just saying the remedy here is impeachment, that's what's in the Constitution, would have cleared things up for a lot of people. It's interesting playing him against Justin Amash in the last couple of days because that guy knows how to do a soundbite. I mean, he is crystalline. Uh, I am concerned that we've gotten to the point where impeachment may never be used in any circumstance. And I think that is a greater risk than the risk that it will be used too often. This is the Republican who came forward saying we should impeach Donald Trump. Right. The Michigan uh, uh, Freedom Forum, you know, far right Republican who's come out in the last week and a half essentially saying, hell, I read the thing. It's time to impeach. Uh, And he has been clearer than Mueller has been. And he has been using uh, the language of impeachment. I I think the simple answer to every question about why Mueller goes only so far and stops is because Mueller's Mueller. And I think that uh, he is an institutionalist. He is trying to preserve the appearance of not being in the tank for one side or another. He has tried throughout this entire thing to let his writings speak for themselves. That was why he didn't give press conferences. Everything spoke for itself. The writing spoke for itself. I guess the problem for me is the writing doesn't speak for itself and his words don't speak for themselves. Like when he talked about the idea of no collusion, no obstruction, he never used those words. He said, If I had confidence that the president had not committed a crime, we would have said that. So it's like, it's not that I'm not saying there was a crime. It's like this double negative strangeness. It just doesn't feel I I wanted to edit him. I think if you listened to that press conference, there are these moments when you feel as though he's trying to clear the record. And I think at the same time, he's trying unbelievably hard not to fall into like the Jim Comey trap where you speak truth to power enough times everybody thinks you're a lunatic and a hack. And so I think he's just trying to be the same neutral, oracular, floating above it judge and jury that he's been for two years. And I think your frustration and my frustration is like the moment for that might be over. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I found myself really wanting one of those overly emotive sign language translators there to just sort of like give him a boost, like sort of pump him up and explain what he was saying because the words were so hard to parse. It's easy for you to take what you want and leave the rest behind. There was a line that I loved. I don't have the exact words in front of me where he talked about the obstruction parts of this, the lying. When a subject of an investigation obstructs that investigation or lies to investigators, it strikes at the core of their government's effort to find the truth and hold wrongdoers accountable. And I thought that was the most... In another wise, like very like Charlie Brown's teacher, wah, 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 presentation. The sword and the stone. Yeah, it was it was very 
uncharacteristically dramatic. And that was the line that I felt some human frustration was leaching into this otherwise very dispassionate legalese where he was more or less saying, I heard him saying, if people are going to lie to me, if people are going to direct witnesses not to talk, if people are going to destroy documents and destroy evidence, I can't do my job. And that was the only part where I heard some version of what, you know, the, the, the sort of like Obama anger translator would be saying out loud, which is, if I couldn't find these things, that's super, super bad. And in the same breath saying, you know, it's too bad we don't have a House of Representatives that could fulfill its own constitutional prerogative and find some of this stuff out. You said how Robert Mueller is an institutionalist. And I saw you commenting on this saying, you know, Sandra Day O'Connor was the same way, where she wanted her work to speak for itself. I wonder if you can speak to that a little bit, because, you know, you've been a lawyer a long time. You must have seen this evolution where lawyers spoke one way and now speak another. Or maybe I just think that's what you've seen. Well, what I was reflecting on today when I was thinking about O'Connor is that I remember when she was on the court, there was a tremendous amount of why won't you tell us where you're giving speeches? Why won't you give us the text of your speeches? Justice O'Connor flies to Europe and gives bomb-throwing speech and nobody can get their hands on the text of it. And this routine frustration with her that she had this whole other life outside of the doctrine she produced. And she kept telling us we weren't interested in it. She kept saying, everything you need to know about me is in the four corners of the opinion. And there is nothing else that a justice does or says or thinks or feels or writes that matters. And it was formalistic to the point of being almost ridiculous. But I think that it is a very storied legal view of what judges do and what lawyers do and what, right, our work product, our words in our motions and in our pleadings and in our uh, findings of facts and conclusions of law, those are, are who we are. And anything outside of that really doesn't matter. So I think that what Bob Mueller was doing is a version of what O'Connor was doing, which is, it doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter if I think that Bill Barr was a hack and distorted my words in his summary. It doesn't matter that he got up and said, well, you know, since that lazy Mueller couldn't come to a conclusion on obstruction, I did. <laughs> There's no obstruction. And I may not have liked that, but it doesn't matter because everything that matters is in those 448 pages. And it can annoy you. It used to drive me mental insane when O'Connor would say that. And I'd be like, just give us your speech. We want to know what you really think and feel. But there's a way in which I'm going to say something I'm going to regret. But like in an era where words are so ephemeral and everything is so fleeting and, you know, Donald Trump says one thing and the next day he says something different and it's all just gone. There's something a little bit profound and poignant about saying it doesn't matter what I say right now. What matters is what I wrote. That is the totality of my lane here. And I've given it to you. And now I'm giving it to you again. And I'm telling you to read it. You don't care about my thoughts and feelings. You just care about my work. I'm almost more okay with that than I would think I should be. Hmm. Because in a way, it harkens back to a time when 
that mattered more. Or at least it obviates this moment in which nothing matters. Mueller spent a lot of this press conference basically making the case that he did not want to go in front of Congress. He's like, you know, (laughs) he's like, you can't have my number. (laughs) You know, (laughs) we're not going to do this. My report is my testimony. Do you think he should testify anyway? I think he almost has to. Hmm. Uh, and, I, and I also think he will be a private citizen who will be subpoenaed. And, you know, as long as he was still working for Bill Barr's Justice Department, there was a negotiation to be had. Now, I think it's I think he will probably have to testify. But I think he should. And I think he has. What will we get from it, though, well, given his performance today? We will probably get more of the same. I suspect we will get a lot more fast 70-year-old tap dancing, um, you know, about things that he's already told us. And part of what I think frustrates him is what frustrates me, which is he's already told us. He's given us 10 episodes of obstruction. We have a thousand former prosecutors who've signed a letter saying, dude, this is not a close call. This is obstruction. I think his feeling is... What is it that you're looking for from another round of my testimony that I have not already told you? And for me, that's the sticky wicket here is, you know, when Nancy Pelosi says the investigations shall roll on, you know, this will all continue. You want to say what piece of information are you going to obtain that you don't already have that you don't already have? Well, what they want is like the video cliff notes. Of the Mueller report, right? They want it on C-SPAN. They want it on CNN and on all the networks so that all the people who aren't reading 448 pages of Robert Mueller's double negatives listen to him, maybe, hopefully, on TV. And then the political equation becomes simpler for Pelosi. I mean, she said again and again, I don't want to divide the country. And for her, you know, she wants to keep that House of Representatives, right? So for her, and she's commented on this today, and she keeps saying the same thing, which is... Many constituents want to impeach the president, but we want to do what is right and what gets results. What gets results. Yeah, but so that's saying I don't want to do it, which is fine. And it's her prerogative. And it's not going to follow through. I mean, that's just not on the table. So the way to achieve the outcome you've described, which is essentially the Watergate hearings, right, hour after hour of live testimony on C-SPAN of people saying, yeah, yeah, I burnt this. And yeah, he told me to lie about this. And yeah, Jared did this. And then Deutsche Bank did that. That's the only way I think you're going to get a lot of that. And especially when you have a president who is refusing to comply, as he says, with any of the subpoenas, is to start an inquiry. I mean, it's just that's what tips the balance in Watergate, right? The public support for Nixon plummets when people start seeing exactly what you're describing, which is all 40, 448 pages of Mueller playing out in real time on their televisions. And I don't want to sound like I'm trashing Nancy Pelosi. I'm well aware of the countervailing impulses that she's thinking about and that she doesn't want to lose the House and the Senate and the presidency in 2020. And I get all that. But I think that what it misses is the idea that there's going to be this ground up public awareness of what the stakes are. I mean, the nature of leadership is that you lead and the nature of taking some 
ownership of beyond just Donald Trump is going to self-impeach or this is a constitutional crisis, taking some ownership of the constitutional role that the House plays to check that means teaching and explaining. And the idea that Americans are going to teach themselves, this is not the American public's strong suit. And I think that there is a a leadership matter of this is how you explain to America what happened. And this is how Americans who were in the tank for Richard Nixon till the bitter end came to understand what Watergate was about. And so I just think it's 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 completely upside down to suggest that the American people are going to get there on their own. And in a weird way, it's part of the same constitutional hot potato game where everyone's like, I don't want the potato. Mueller's got the potato. <laughs> Mueller's like, I don't want the potato. Nancy's got the potato. And then Nancy's got the potato. And she's like, I don't want the potato. Let's like spike it to my neighbor, Joe. And like that, there's nobody who wants to take actual practical responsibility of this is what is happening and this is what can be done. And it just seems that to say, I'm going to put the potato down and hope that we win the 2020 elections when gerrymandering, vote suppression, the Electoral College, Russian interference, and 50 things I don't know about are working against that end. I say pick up the potato, slice it open. Let's just eat the damn potato, Mary. Let's do it. It's time. I'm glad you brought up the elections because clearly for Robert Mueller, if you watched this whole press conference, he began it and he ended it with Russia and the election. And for him, that was maybe a more important point than whether or not Donald Trump did crimes. That there were multiple systematic efforts to interfere in our election. And that allegation deserves the attention of every American. Thank you, he thank you for being here. He ended his whole speech talking about this is something every American needs to pay attention to. And it made me wonder if we're paying attention to the right things. What Mueller is saying is, This really did happen. It is beyond a shadow of a doubt. And the fact that we are not four alarm fires doing something about it, you know, every patriotic American who now knows this information should be flipping out. But I think it tells you how much we were willing to be led around by the nose that that's only the seventh most interesting part of the Mueller report to most of us. And so I think you're right. He, you know, looking forward, he's almost saying, bracket all this stuff about what did he know and when did he know it? Put down the red and the blue hats and just think about whether we want free and fair elections in this country. And I, I the kind of despairing part of me thinks it's too late. Well, and we're about to have another election. And it makes you wonder... How's that going to go? Well, I think that's what he's warning us. This is no different from bombing Pearl Harbor. This is an assault on American freedom and American democracy. And at any other time, would we, we would react in kind. And I think in its own, again, nerdy, legalistic way, it's a way of almost saying, 
focus on what's coming because if you people want to stop having your election stolen, that's not something that's going to happen on its own. Dahlia Lithwick, thank you so much. Thank you. Dahlia Lithwick covers the courts and the law for Slate. She also hosts the Amicus podcast. All right, that's the show. What Next is hosted by me, Mary Harris, and produced by Mary Wilson, Jason DeLeon, and Ethan Brooks. You like the show. You listen to the show. You're all the way at the end of the show. So go to Apple Podcasts and search for What Next. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. It'll make you happy. It'll make us thrilled. And it's going to help other people find us. If you have already done this, thanks. All right. Talk to you tomorrow. Don't you want a potato? <laughs> I want so many potatoes. <laughs> I want a potato bar. America really began to go south when there were fewer potato bars. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.